Hey, this is Mike Fallett from Dreamstarters Publishing. We created the number one book creation service for entrepreneurs. And in this podcast, you're going to hear about my story and how I help people write their books and keep chasing that hero of theirs. So I hope you like it. You can follow me at The Dreamstarter on Instagram and reach out to me anytime. I hope you like it because this one is going to be fun. 21 might be episode 22, but we're going to go with 20. And we <laughs> are live and direct with Mike Flock. How's it going, man? Mike, can you introduce yourself to the people for those that know you and maybe some that aren't as familiar? Oh, yes. Uh, thanks so much for having me on, man. I really appreciate it. Ever since I contacted you via Instagram, I've been wanting to be on your podcast. So thanks so much. But my name is Mike Fallett. A lot, as people make that mistake a lot, by the way. Yes, so you're not yes. the first. <laughs> but it's Mike Fallett. I own a company called Dreamstarters Publishing. And uh, we basically create books faster and less expensive than anybody else out there. Uh, and we do it in 30 days for people. We create books for entrepreneurs so they can use a book as a marketing tool to build their brand, get credibility, get speaking gigs, get their name out there so people know who they are and what they have to offer. So down the road, if they want to work with that author, they know exactly what they're all about. And so I've been an entrepreneur since about 2008, been in real estate, uh, been in pretty much every industry, learning the game. And four years ago is when I started Dreamstarters Publishing. And that's when it all changed for me. I started working with, uh, we're at our 160th client. Um, and now what we do is we just basically bring stories to life. It's one of the most interesting and creative things that I've ever done. And uh, we're here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And I'm, We've worked with entrepreneurs, whether they're in network marketing, real estate, or any type of business, you name it, we've done it. Mike, I mentioned you on another podcast that I was doing, that I was being interviewed on earlier. And I think I said your name correctly on that one. But <laughs> if I did cool. it, I owe you 20 bucks. We'll just say, yeah, hey, the, I'll know. listen to it. I'll make sure. I appreciate that. <laughs> but, um, Very cool. So first things first, football season is coming up. Are you a Steelers fan? You know, it's funny as I'm here in Pittsburgh, I'm a diehard hockey guy. I'm not a big Steelers guy. You're not, not a, big... a big. Well, you know what? The the Penguins have been more successful. I'm a, oh, I'm a Crosby you're... guy. Thank you. Thank you very much. Now, it's not that, I, it's not that I'm not against football. It, that, that, here's what the problem is. All right. Okay. I'm in Pittsburgh. And I got to say, and I don't know, where are you located at? I'm based out of Chicago and D.C. Right now I'm in D.C. Okay, so I'm one of those guys who roots for greatness. So I'm rooting for Brady. And I'm rooting for Patriots. Don't hate me. Okay. I'm a Patriots fan. Very cool. together, Mike. Yeah. Brady's the GOAT. Let's, Let's be honest. Brady. Tom Brady. I, I was at church one time, two years ago, I believe it was, and he was in the Super Bowl, and everybody was there. You know, Pittsburgh hates people. It, uh, in, yes. Tom Brady hates the Patriots, and the pastor stands up. He goes, okay, so who's all here rooting for Tom Brady and the Patriots? And I'm the only one that raises my hand. People start booing, booing. I'm in church. So, you know. That just shows you how deep it is. The hatred is so deep, it's disgusting. Now, I I have nothing against them, nothing. But I always root for greatness, and that's why you'll see me 
I don't know what it is, but I'll see like the Tiger Woods. I'm always rooting for people to be great. I'll root for t- people in my neighborhood and all that. They're like, what? He's already won enough. You got to root for other people. I'm like, no. Root for- <laughs> root no, we're going to keep this going as long as we can keep this going. I want to see, I want to live in a time where we see the greatest. Crosby, you just brought him up. How could you not root for him? He's the greatest, greatest of his generation, right? His generation, maybe third at all time behind Lemieux and Gretzky. You never know. <laughs> and so right now, he's probably in the process of chasing to see if he could be the greatest of all time. Well, that's it. That's yeah, still possible. Uh, you know, it's just so hard with the, how the hockey's set up nowadays. It's so difficult to say who's the greatest because, you know, in the 70s and 80s, look at their pads, look at the goalies, look at the, the roles, the hitting, all that. You know, Gretzky could pull up 91 goals. Now, I will say that he will be in the discussion for top five of all time. Will he be the greatest? It's tough to beat Gretzky with yeah. stats. Yeah. Especially someone you modeled your game after to a certain extent, right? For sure, for sure. And I'm a Lemieux guy. Like, you know, Pittsburgh, Lemieux is the hero of the city. No matter what, everybody looks up to Mary Lemieux. He saved the Penguins twice, basically one from bankruptcy and one from, you know, being the worst team in NHL. So he brought him back twice. So everybody's going to say Lemieux's the best of all time here. Because I was going to put out an episode of Trep Life where I was talking about the greatest leaders in sports. And Crosby came to mind. So I was watching all these documentaries on him and everything. And then that's when Lemieux came up. And I, and I, I know hockey, but not to the extent that I know other sports. Not the extent that I know basketball and not even NFL. Like, I know it about, you know, I would, I would give my grade, like, I'm maybe on a scale from 1 to 10, I'm maybe a 5. Oh, right? Okay. In terms of my hockey knowledge. You know, I, I will definitely defer to others. So, and I did not realize how great Lemieux was. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like The highlights, and, the highlights. Pull up I highlights. grew up during his era. Like, I lived in West Virginia as a kid, and we went to Pittsburgh often for uh, medical reasons, right? So, you know, I went to a lot of Penguin games back in the day. Wow. Yeah. So I, you lived out of state and you went to more games than me. That's not fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome though. So you became a hockey fan at, at a young age and at a young age from, you got to well, see them. and then I was obsessed with the mighty ducks, right? Oh, ninety-five. I was born in Anaheim, Orange County. Well, I was born in Garden Grove, but right there by the uh, Anaheim ducks. So you've been all over, man. Yeah, I think my first game was actually the Penguins versus the Ducks. So, I was geeked. I like their new logo way better than the cheesy Mighty Ducks, I will say that. Yeah. You know, now it's the Ducks. They took away the Mighty. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. Who didn't like the knuckle puck? Who wasn't out there trying to do the knuckle puck back in the day? It was a thing. It was... If if you're a millennial, you know what we're talking about right now. Exactly. (laughs) that's awesome you know that stuff but um so yeah very fascinating well yeah i just wanted to touch on that and but it very 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 interesting what's going on with uh with all the sports right now i I think crosby's probably in a position to win what you would say maybe one or two more i would say so i'm really hoping for one more however i did make a little uh, you know, packed with uh, the, 
the, the, the man above, I said, listen, as long as he gets his second cup, I'm happy. When he got his second cup, I was like, oh, this is it. But then when he got his third, and I was like, all right, even if the Penguins never win a game for the rest of, you know, my life, I'm happy. I got out to see back-to-back cups. It was the most amazing experience. You wouldn't believe how, like, how crazy it was around here. That's it. If he gets one more, oh, now we're talking – he could be known as one of the – and you're talking about leaders. Yeah. There is no other person who is a leader like him in the NHL. It's just – they just know it. And and there's the guy uh, – what's his name out in um, the Oilers? Uh, McDavid. Connor McDavid. Yeah, Connor McDavid. Uh, you're very familiar with the uh, the Ed Milets of the world, right? You know, you know Ed Milet? Yes, vaguely. Okay, so, yeah. so through the grapevine, Ed, Ed Milet's a big uh, insurance financial service guy, and he's very big with Grant Cardone and all them. But through the grapevine, I heard a story about him getting hired by Wayne Gretzky to come and coach Connor McDavid. Now, Ed Milet knows nothing about hockey, but he's a leader, and he had to teach leadership skills, the mindset, work ethic, all that. So Wayne Gretzky called him up, and he says, listen, I have a guy who has as much talent as Sidney Crosby but does not have the work ethic. And so he was hired to come. Now, Sidney Crosby, is he the most talented? People will say no. People say the Genos of the world, or Evgeny Melkins, and, and all these people have more have more skill, God-given talent. Oh. But work ethic and the leadership skills, nobody comes close. And that's why. That's why Sidney Crosby's revered by everyone. He's the face of the NHL. You know, now he's getting older. You're going to start to see bigger, you know, other names come up. They're going to try to give the, the trophies to the Connor McDavid's because that's the next generation. Right. And they but, need but, to do that for league purposes for the. For sure. You know, you got to just keep pushing up new talent. And so I would say that Sidney Crosby, you know, is the pinnacle of leadership in the NHL. So I like that that topic of leadership. And, and those are, skills are transferable from whether it's hockey to a speaker to an organization, to the smallest business, to the biggest business. You know, you watch him, how he plays. He plays all out. You see how he, you know, gets on the ice. He's usually the second to last on the ice, but he's the last one off the ice. And it's just funny how it's all, you know, everything he does is routine. He practices more. You, Yes. Crazy. And then he goes back to his uh, hometown and gives back and has camps with the kids. And it's just Good, good guy. Yeah, yeah, really good guy. Great example of leadership. You never hear anything about you know trouble or you know anything that he's getting himself self into. And he's uh, been this way since he was young too. For sure, for sure. I mean, he's he has had a camera in his face since he, since he was like eight years old. Yeah. So, <laughs> and if you Much watch like Connor McDavid, you know, but true, for, true. but when you have that leadership gap, it it affects you. You know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah this is a great. I had no idea that you were a hockey guy. It's a great little turn of events. I love it. Yeah, well, yeah. I, you know, especially being in Chicago with the Blackhawks and their, I guess, budding dynasty. Didn't quite make it to a dynasty, but it was almost. Almost. Crazy. It, it almost. was fun. It was fun. I have to, you know, Patrick Kane. Well, so, what happens? What happens there? Because what happens with a great team? This happens in every type of, I guess, mm-hmm. sport, except for the Patriots and maybe a couple other teams. Who can keep it together. You, you, 
yeah, you lose that winning culture. And it's not maybe you lose it as in like skill set, but maybe you just want it and you're like, you know what? I don't want to go through that pain again. I don't need to. That exhaustion. Yeah, I have it. I've already done it. The core nucleus of, of the Blackhawks, they've won it so many times that it's sort of like, I don't need to put my body and life on the line to win the cup anymore. Right. You're not chasing the same thing anymore. Yeah, I guess that's why Grant Cardone, I think you're a Grant Cardone guy, aren't you? Yeah. He always says stay broke because it keeps you hungry. And, you know, whether you have a big win or not, take it and forget about it. You know, take it, accept it. You did it. All right. Now forget about it. Move on. Start from the beginning tomorrow. Start from zero. (laughs) Because some people get so invested in that where it's like, I won, I'm going to keep winning. And it's like, that's not the way this goes at all. Yeah, it's, it's just fascinating to me. When, and you see that with money. You see, I see that with a lot of entrepreneurs that hit a certain level and they're happy with it. Now, whenever yeah. I broke six figures, everybody around me is like, whoa, that's a great – you're doing well. That's amazing. Mm. I'm thinking, this is still not living. Like, this is not my life. It, it, growing up, that would have been like the dream. Wow, I made right. six, six figures. Now you look at it and you're like, and it's sad to say, it's really not that much money. I'm proud of it. I really am proud of it, and it keeps you working hard for it. You deserved it. You're happy of all of your accomplishments, but it, this is not it. This is not it. And so that's the thing is like that invisible goal. It shouldn't be just a certain number. It's got to just be keep like you need to be that chase. Uh, in our books and all this, I talk yes. about chasing your hero, and you need heroes. So if you hit a certain level and you match your heroes guess what you need to find more heroes that you need to keep chasing there's people above you that have done more that can do more than you follow them keep going after that and then that's going to keep you hungrier hungrier and hungrier absolutely speaking of the book um we're going to start with is this your newest book the true art of the comeback uh yeah that's our that's one of our first collaborations okay so we uh, we started doing collaborations with entrepreneurs who didn't want to put out their full entire book, okay. but they wanted to tell a quick little story or a lesson within a book of other great people or other comeback stories. And, and we have a true art of network marketing, true art of real estate, true art of business. Okay. So these are quick little tales, tips, lessons from some known people and some unknown people. Some are autobiographical and some are biographical, which means some we did research on and figured out, wow, they did have, they made an amazing comeback. Here's, here's an amazing comeback story, whether it's a human, whether it's a city, whether it's a company. And then the other ones that we met, these are individuals that come to us and say, listen, I have a great comeback story. Perfect. Let's put you in this book. Right. Like I noticed that and I thought that was very enlightening. Um, I, I like how engaging that was in terms of, you switching up the content that way. I also liked how you had history kind of little tidbits in there, like the did you know section. Love it. Love those. Yes. Yes. That keeps people turning the page, but also learning something. It's almost as if the way I look at life and marketing in general is like you're at a fireworks show. Okay. And so people sit there and watch fireworks, but guess what? They're not watching the exact same firework over and over and over. They're watching a series of them, different lengths, different heights, different colors, different how loud it is, and and they're all over the place. 
And that's why you need to entertain people that same way with your book, with your videos, with your marketing. You're going to shoot up fireworks. And so when you're going through that book, it's basically, here's a story. Whoa, this one catches me off guard. What's this? Quick little tip. Yeah. Oh, what's this on a city? Oh, what's this a brand? What's this a person? And it's basically these little fireworks for setting off throughout the book to keep people, you know, engaged. And the longest story, I believe, is what? Six pages, if that? Six, six pages, probably, maximum, 1,800 words, maybe. Because most of them are going to be two and a half, four pages, very easy, quick reads. Um, yeah. So that brings me to this. How should this book be read? Like, I think it can be read through, I've kind of read it a couple of different ways, where I read it all the way through. Um, and then I read it, um, you know, where I was just reading the different, uh, I was going based on like the story, like, oh, okay, does this jump out at me? So I was just kind of all around. I wasn't reading it in order. How, how, how would you like this book consumed? I think it's, I mimic these books nowadays, pretty much every book off of a book called the wizard of ads. You can pick it up. I believe that. When you pick up a book, the chances of it being read are those type of books that are short stories that you could read from the middle on, or you could read it from chapter one to chapter three, and then take a break and pull up chapter nine, and they're not really they're not really related. So you don't need to read chapters four through six or seven. So I believe that you flip through until something captures your eyes. Now, that's for the reader. However, every book that I put together. I look at it for the author. Now you see some of those people in that book. Yeah. I look at that. They come to me and you can do this now. Anybody, anybody listening, anybody, you even want to come to me and you want to have a chapter in that book. We can do that for you. And I look at every book as more of a business card, as a marketing tool, as a way to just separate you from the guy next to you. And so the way I like it to do it is, people who have great comeback stories or anything, they put it in this book and then they give it to, to their neighbor and say, listen, if you're looking to do insurance or if you're looking to do financial services or if you're looking, you know what, that might be great, but listen to my story. I got this amazing comeback story. All right? I lost it all and then I brought it back. And the reason why I was able to bring it back is because I got insurance. I got, I got into the insurance business and I sold a million dollars within six months or something like that. Mm-hmm. So then if that person is looking for an insurance agent or financial services or a real estate broker, real estate agent, whatever it is, a network marketer selling some type of service, read this page. And it's a one-to-one connection. And when that person reads that story and that lesson, all of a sudden now they look at that person as more than just a human trying to sell them something. It's, oh my God, this person has an incredible background and an incredible story. And guess what? I have a lot in common with them. I did this. I went through a divorce and all of a sudden this happened. And oh my God, this is, we have a similar past. They get to know the person just from a quick little story. So I look at it as more of a way for the author to communicate who they are to someone in a very, really speedy you know, manner. And then I look at the reader as pick it up whenever, put it in the bathroom, read a quick little story. You know, those, those bathroom readers are not supposed to be like in-depth novels we don't want in-depth novels we want quick little story lesson story lesson story lesson so you have something to apply to your own business your own life so your books to me are a brand they're all going to have more or less um similar traits to them very very similar yes 
And they're going to be very distinct than really anything else that is in the market because you're doing your own thing. You're not following a trend. You're creating one. Yes. I would say that, I mean, right around seven to 800,000 books are published on Amazon every year. So for us to say that we're exactly different than every other book, I mean, that's really hard to say. But our service is way different than everyone else's. That's for sure. Right. So what I do is I interview. So the, the main thing that I offer is, is I interview entrepreneurs and I say, give me two hours one day, two hours another day via Zoom. Now, Zoom is like Skype, just at a little bit more high quality. You're familiar with Zoom, right? Yes. I would say, give me two hours one day, two hours another day. Now, what are 15 lessons you want to teach your audience about your business, about your brand, about your, your stories that you went through? Oh, you got 15 lessons about you know your background? Great. How did you learn those lessons? We have a simple conversation. So throughout four hours, I get to know who they are, what they have to offer, and how did they learn those lessons? After that, we take that recording, me and my writers, we bring it to life in about 20, 25 days, send it back to them. They review the book, make the changes. You know, oh, I don't say it this way. I say it this way. Oh, you know what? The story needs a little bit more description. Let me pop that in. It's a lot easier to adjust things than to create it from the ground up. We do the heavy lifting. Their story, their words is brought to life professionally with a professional writer. Basically sits in the room all day and just writes. That's all they want to do. And so if you look at all the big books like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, these are all ghostwritten books. And the reason why is because if you're a millionaire, you have a business, if you have a lot going on, the last thing you should be doing is sitting down and writing something for the very first time. Because it's a hard process. Writers can't even, professional writers still struggle with it. It's hard. It's hard. It's, it, it, it is hard. And unless you do it all the time and you have a system in place. Yeah. So if you want to you're going to, you still will have struggles, but you're, at least you have a routine. Yeah. You go back to, you go, you have a routine, especially when you're writing your own book. It's weird because now you are in this spider web where you could be like, Oh, I want to say this. I want to say this. I want to say this. Uh-huh. It's almost like I was at an event and, and, and I, I had a five minute speech before someone came on. Now, what the hell am I going to say in five minutes? I could go into so much in five minutes, but you got to keep things really simple, really clear, really basic for the reader to know you like that. And so it's the same thing with a book. When you're putting it together, you're going to kind of have to train yourself to let go of certain things that mean a lot to you, but will mean nothing to the reader. And that, that's what we do. We, we kind of cut through all the nonsense, the stuff that you think means something, and we boil it down to basic, simple knowledge with a story that you can bring up in videos, on podcasts, on a, on a stage, and go into a lot more detail, or in person, or in a course, or on a seminar. And that's where you get into as much detail as possible. It's almost like a first date. When you would put a book out there, you don't want to say everything that's in your head. Nobody's going to pay attention to that. But if you could just tell enough about you and your brand, they're going to get to know, like, and trust you to want to know more, whether it's follow you on social media or come to your events or actually hire you to be their consultant. And that's whenever you can really get crazy with details, facts, figures. But a book, not out of the gate. Down the road, Robert Kiyosaki was a multimillionaire before he wrote that book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Grant Cardone did not pick up steam until probably his fifth book or sixth book when I think it was called the 10X. I think that's whenever he really broke out. Might have been his eighth book. But you don't get into everything. And what happens with that first or second or third book is that it leads to opportunities that give you better stories, better lessons. And then that's where it really starts to pick up.
Exactly. So for you, you don't have a background in writing, right? Zero. None. I mean, when you say background in writing, I went to Duquesne University. I was a finance major. I was a numbers guy. And I had a love for marketing. But when I first started my, when I started my first business, 2008, 2009, I got in a rental property. 2011, I got my first real startup, which was like data analytics, a rewards program, connected small businesses to each other, all this nonsense. What I started doing was writing every morning. I'd wake up around five or six in the morning and write about my day previously. Like, what did I do? What did I accomplish? And I would put it in a blog and share it on LinkedIn. And why did I do that? I was trying to impress a girl that I graduated with who was an English major. <laughs> she was I an English that. I swear to I God. I this... something like that, too, so I'm right there with you, bro. <laughs> she, was an, she graduated. She, she never gave me a chance in college, but I was like, whoa, we're LinkedIn now. We're friends on LinkedIn. I'm me professional. I'm a business owner. I'm an entrepreneur. You know, everybody loves saying that. Well, I was in love with saying I was an entrepreneur and I owned a business. And then I was sharing the stories. Well, guess what? When you, when you write every day of your life about what you've done, you get really, really fast at like clarifying, you know, where you're going in life, what you did the, lot, the, the other day. And, and all of a sudden I started getting pretty good at writing these quick little blogs, probably 500 words. Every day, wouldn't miss a day, five days a week, hands down, five, six in the morning, right? Being consistent about it. And I was loving it. I mean, it was really cool to see the growth. My team, you know, I would get interns. My business partner at the time was reading it. It was awesome. My family and friends were reading it. Oh my God, this guy's doing some crazy stuff. Maybe she read it. It turns out she wasn't reading any of these. (laughs) But, But anyway, it was sort of like motivation to keep writing. Now, what I found out was I, was I was getting pretty good at writing. No background before. I, I never cared about writing. I did, didn't even care about reading too much, except like nonfiction books. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, years later, I started to pick up clients for like how to start a business. And I'm like, man, you know what? I should, I should write a book about all this stuff. I should put this down there. I'm, I'm, I think I'm a decent enough writer, but who knows? And so when I started putting it down there, it just so happens that that girl who I was trying to get years prior was single again, reached out to her. We went out, started dating. She became the editor of my first book. And I even told her, I was like, listen, I started writing because I wanted to impress you. I guess you were still dating that guy. You never read my stuff, but here's my, some of my stuff. She's like, whoa, this is pretty good. I'll edit it for you. We worked together, finished the first book. My life changed. So about four years ago, a little over four years ago, my life changed when I put out that first book. And people gave me speaking gigs, attention, credibility. And I'm like, oh, what the heck? I should have done this years ago. I have a book now, how to start a business. But it could have been how to buy a real estate property at 23. I did that. How to do this when you have no money. Like, you know, FHA loan, all this stuff. There's so so many tricks out there that I thought everybody knew, but they didn't. If I would have wrote a book about it, that would have got me speaking gigs, attention, credibility, social media exposure. People would have followed me. People would have liked my stuff more best-selling author this title all of a sudden just started happening and it really changed my life other entrepreneurs started seeing this and they say listen i don't know what you did but how did you write that book and i'm like whoa there's something here everybody needs a book because it changed my life it could change their life so i created my own ghostwriting process i said listen man you're a high level network marketer i'll write your book for you 
now. All I need is about a three-hour interview. This is three-hour interviews. And I'll charge you 2500 bucks. 2500 back then. And the guy's like, yeah, let's do it. So I started working with them. One network marketer led to another. One real estate agent led to another. I was doing books for people. I was doing the writing. The girl was still doing the editing. I had cover design people. Kind of grew from there. And then I started hiring writers. We've come four years later. Now we do a book a week. I charge 7500 bucks. Me and the girl, we didn't, didn't, didn't work out. But uh, she got me started. She's, she's off doing her thing. Now we have this business and it's pretty phenomenal where people come to us now. We bring their stories to life in a very short amount of time. I have uh, many different designers on many different platforms. Five main writers. They're all women all over the United States. Here's a, here's a little tip for everyone. Women are better writers than men. Found that out the hard way. That's They're true. more descriptive. They are way more, you know, I guess they, they write in a way that it explains things where people want to pay attention to it more. And it's just, we just find that out. Maybe it's not the case for everyone, but uh, more that's emotionally in tune. Women have a higher emotional intelligence than we do. Good, good way to put it. And, uh, and that's how it is. So it works out really well for what we do. And people love these books. Well, that's good to know. I was actually, I think it was maybe even earlier this year when you were looking for writers, I was actually thinking of putting in my application. <laughs> <laughs> we got a bunch of them we got a bunch of them. yeah i think way more than you were anticipating right oh for sure i was looking for two because two of them were leaving there two of them i had a couple of military spouse women and uh two of them were like getting moved around because you know that's the thing with military spouse women they have a hard time getting jobs because they're moving all the time you know right they're in so, the same way their husbands are right yeah so their life was changing and that's why i was looking for two more and i thought thank god i found two more but uh you should have put your application and we could have looked it up and see how great of a writer you are yeah i tried it i definitely because i'm writing this podcast is correlating to a book i'm writing called trap life love it so i I definitely i'm definitely going to uh send a copy your way i'll send you the manuscript probably you know, so you can see what's up. See, yeah, get your feedback on that. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, man. So that's like you. Okay, so just to give you a little idea, if I were you, some people take podcasts, take down the the you know simple lessons that other people are teaching, and make it their own book. You know, Trep Life podcast interview lessons. You know, and you yeah, more creative with that. But the Trep Life, uh, whatever it is, how to or a guidebook on entrepreneurs of 2018 whatever yeah 2019 2020 the past three years anything so you put the lessons that the stories and you say whenever i interviewed this person i found out this and you know what that makes sense because it applies to me whenever i did this this and this so if you have these three things in a book i think this is a key for you for anybody listening if you have general lessons that you want to teach general lessons means Stuff that everyone's saying. If you really want to break down what Tony Robbins is saying, Grant Cardone, Robert Kiyosaki, all these big names, they're all saying the same thing in a certain way. Right. But different terms, same stuff. How they learned it, the personal story behind it, that's the difference. That's what connects with people. And that's their niche. That's their niche. Grant Cardone talks about his dad dying whenever I think he was 11 years old. Tony Robbins always brings up that he paid a homeless person or something his last $20. You know, these stories make you see them as a human being. Like it is 
it's so powerful to tie your personal story because that cannot be made up. I mean, you can make it up if you want to, but that if it's real and that's yours, guess what? That's only yours. Lesson is the same, but the story is different. And that's what people latch on to. People think it's for the lesson that people buy books. Really, it's, it's like, first off, okay, well, you know, when you, when you meet someone, yeah, you might have a lot of money, but how did you make this money? That's the key. What people want to know the story up until the lesson. And that's how you fall in love with someone or a brand. Definitely. That's 100% true, without a doubt. So I'm going to throw out some names. I want to hear what you think about these. It's a little controversial, right? Okay. So Gary V. Gary V was a big fan of his early on. I don't think he innovates as much. I, I think he does the same thing over and over. I hear the same message, work hard, be happy, find yourself, follow your strengths. I have not paid attention to him in the past year at all. And I've seen you say that on social media. And I've seen some pushback from some of your fans, right? Some of your followers. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, I'm a, one of the ways I differentiate myself is I, my tagline started from zero. Right. You break it down where Gary V's story, people are like, well, he's a real deal entrepreneur. I will never take away. He's obviously smart. He's a great speaker. Uh-huh. But I always analyze how people made their first bit of money. And because that's the hardest. That's the hardest. That is the God's honest truth hardest. If you look I don't at care it, what anyone says. It's once you've made a million, you're confident that you can do it again. 100%. Like anything else. Well, it's that first million. Yes, the money's all important for sure. But yes. guess what? You have the connections now. Connections are what lead to money. There's not a level of uncertainty. Your self-talk changes. Like, it, it's, it's different. Different. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. This is what I tell people all the time. It's like the beginning is the hardest. And you know what? If you look at it, his dad really built an amazing company, made $3 million before he stepped on. People are like, oh, it's only $3 million. Listen, man, I worked for a swimming pool business and it was making a million five every year. Do you realize that how many people that took care of? And by the way, how much cash flow that is to do crazy stuff, crazy stuff, a million five cash flow. You might not think it's a lot of money, but guess what? You have freedom. You have a salary. You have all this stuff in place, accountants, lawyers. But whenever you're at zero and you have no money, oh, now you got to get creative and really get wild. So right. that's. That's why I like the stories of I built it from the ground up. I'll never say that Gary Vee's not smart. He just did not build it from the ground up. And I think that's an important distinction, not to take anything away from Gary Vee, because I like Gary Vee. Um, mm-hmm. But I agree with you. To, and this, this is my perspective on it. I think, and I think it's not his fault, but it's how people respond to information right how they're processing it when people start following brands or influencers they want to follow them for the rest of their lives and that's not always going to work with your growth because Mm -hmm. they may not innovate these people may be only there for you for like a it's like a one-on-one course with a professor right that professor is not going to be able to get you to that next course, your 201, your 203, your yes. more in-depth course. 
And so I think for someone getting into entrepreneurship, Gary Vee is your go-to guy. So that you just get familiar with everything, right? Beautiful. But yes. when you've been in the game for a while, you've seen some things. It's not the same. <laughs> so I love how you just put that. I, I, I never really thought about it in those terms. You're right. If you are at a higher level or if you've been in the game for a while, you know what? You don't need that. You already have the motivation. He's a motivational guy more than anything else. I think. Yeah. Been a great marketer. He's got some tips and all that. But you're right. When you're in the game, you see it a different way and you don't need that. You, you, you might need – you need more practical, hands-on – how to, and, or just connections, really. Because sometimes I think we get into like the self improvement. We're constantly learning thing a little too much. There's certain times where it's like I don't need to learn anything right now. I just need to find out how I can execute my plan because I have a good plan, and it just needs to get done right now, right? Right. You need you need people. Uh, I think this is this is so crucial. So I grew my business because. I found the right person, the right two girls to help me market the business. Okay, So there was people there. I couldn't do it on my own. Mm-hmm. And I found the right clients who had access to a lot more clients. Now, they were high on the hierarchy of their organization, an organization that they built. So what happens is I made the connection. I built the rapport. I closed that high person. I came through for them. I was there for them. All of a sudden, now my relationship is with that person very, very strong. Now people say, well, how did you get that book done, you know, John? Well, this guy got the book done for me. So what happened? I built the the relationship and all of a sudden now people are coming to me based off of their relationship with him and their in tr- his trust in me. So that takes time. It could take a ye- it could take years depending on what industry you're in. Right. So if you are in and he was in the wine business, if you are in what all of these connections are already made and if income is already coming your way, now you have freedom to, to breathe and to, to do things that you maybe, maybe take a long time. I mean, doing videos. Think about how much of a lost leader videos are, but those things are assets down the road. Eventually, people are going to Google you and YouTube you, and they yeah. want to see high-quality videos. They want to see podcasts. That's not a direct income stream. To do this takes a lot of time. All right. But you need to it's a long-term plan. Right, right. And so when you have money and you have air and you have income and all that, that's already been built up relationships. It's a lot easier to do the, the marketing. And that's all it is. until yeah. it becomes until it becomes something. Because it's like for me, um, my computer actually has been broken for a while. I started this podcast on my phone, my iPhone. Wow. So. Wow. You know, and we're chasing 50 episodes. We're coming up on 25 here soon. We should, I, I might be able to do 25 by the end of the week, to be honest, you know, so. God, I love how, I love how you're, you're, you're numbering things. This is what I teach people too, man. You, good, good, good for you for, for putting metrics. Why is that important? Is because if you say to me, I'm chasing 50, you know what that does for listeners, for your team, for you? I got to get to 50. I get it to 50. Last year, we were on, we were on pace to break $300,000. Before we were even close to it, I said, we're going we're to break 300000 We're going to break 300000 We're going to break. So you speak it into existence, and guess what? It comes true. So that's, that's really good that you did that and picked up on that. Because that's where we're putting the intentions behind. Because to me, what the number 50 represents is that solidifies consistency. 
you know, if I have 50 episodes of this podcast, right, or as a team, we have 50 episodes of this podcast, people can't say, well, I don't know if they're going to continue to go for it. I don't know how invested they are in it. You know, when you have three episodes, okay, you have, oh, you only have five, you only have 10. We don't know how long it's going to go, blah, blah, blah. 50, you can't discount that. You can't <laughs> argue that away, right? Right, right. Yeah. You, you, you separate yourselves from the talkers. And how many people start a podcast five episodes in, they're done. That's they're it. Because yep. it is a haul. It is a whole learning experience. And I'm someone who I thought I was going to be a trailblazer in the podcast because I've been wanting to get into podcasting for th- the last three or four years now where I have more podcast. I have a whole lineup of podcasts that I actually want to end up producing. Um, and it's just like, you know, things kind of went sideways on me. But when I saw this opportunity with Anchor and it's like, hey, um, you know, Gary V might actually own Anchor, by the way. I was supposed to look into that like a week ago and I didn't end up doing it. Yeah, he might be an investor. I don't know. But either here nor there, I see that hey, I can do this from my phone. Like, you don't have any resources. You really don't have the money that you were going to put in in terms of equipment because I wanted to have, like, state-of-the-art equipment when I was starting all these podcasts. And uh, I wanted to just have all the information at hand and just be, you know, a paradigm of knowledge and all that. No, that didn't end up happening. But here we are almost 25 episodes later and I'm learning. I made a promise that I would always progress with this podcast. I think I'm fulfilling that and I'm going to continue to do that. I I love it. And the convenience matters. So it's not even just about high quality. If you can combine the two, it's great. But convenience for people like me, for just getting on and and, and doing it, Uh, the the quality of how it sounds, it obviously sounds fantastic from listening to the other episodes. Uh, so you don't need all that crazy stuff. And I've seen people buy the best, you know, the, the shore uh, microphones and all that. I mean, top of the line stuff. And um, it just, you know, they buy it and they never do anything with it. The perfect lighting. It just becomes so hard to get someone into their studio or to put it all together. Too time right. consuming. I think you're on the right track. And my thing is content matters. Content is king. So I need to be responsible for that. And I feel like, at this point, the rest will kind of fall into place. Yeah, yeah. And if you start to get the right people uh, that share it out, all of a sudden now start pe- people start knowing about your podcast and uh, you get bigger and bigger guests on and then all of a sudden it could just blow up. So uh, there's a guy we worked with. His name is Tony Wadley, side hustle millionaire. Yeah, book. he was actually in your part of the uh, – you kind of phased him into your section of the book. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Tony Watley, I talk, I bring up bring up a story about him. The other guy I bring up is Anthony Lolly. Great individual. You should look up both these people. But anyway, Tony Watley created a 365 driven podcast. And you can see him grow it and grow it and get bigger names on. And then sometimes there are no you know, people don't know about him. But it doesn't matter. He's consistent with it. And then eventually what happens? He gets enough people. He gets enough attention. His business is doing obviously well. He joins the Arate program. And now he can interview some really big guests like an Andy Frisella or like a uh, Ed Milet when he chooses because there are people who've done that. So, you know what I mean? You have to you build it up and then all of a sudden you get that one opportunity 
now they see it and they're like, Ooh, what else has he done? Who else has he interviewed? Exactly. That's the way that goes. It's about momentum. Sure. And, and, and nobody really cares until you do enough of them to say, Oh, this person is truly committed. committed. You have to earn someone's time. You know, like I started off, was like, okay, I need to have shorter podcasts so that I can earn people's trust, right? I can build credibility with them, you know, 30 minutes, and then I can maybe earn the right to do an hour or an hour and a half podcast. But when you're investing an hour into a podcast, that's an hour that you could be doing any number of other things, especially (laughs) if you're an entrepreneur, right? Oh, for sure, man. Uh, Two or three years ago, I would have no time to do this. None. Right. So, yeah, if you... You catch people at a bad time or whatever. There's a lot of traveling. You know, sometimes you just you just can't make it work with some people. But once again, you just have a pool of individuals. Hey, I'm looking to do it. We'll schedule it for Thursday. We'll schedule it for Friday. Uh, and you said it's just like, you know, you do it in small increments. Get, get people to know who you are, trust you, uh, get people to subscribe to your channel. And over time, you build a relationship with, with your listeners. And then they watch your Facebook or Instagram. And guess what? you're building a tribe and you really don't even know it. Like it's amazing how many people reach out to me and they say, Hey, I've been watching your stuff for two and a half years. I love it. Let's jump on a call. I'm interested in a book. Now I never knew they were there, but they're watching and they're listening. So that's the same thing with you. You might not know they're there, but trust me, the right people are picking up on it. And then when they do see it and they do want to pull the trigger on saying, Hey, how did you do a podcast? Or can you show me how to do this? You've already had a relationship that gets you, one level higher than anyone else because of the commitment. If you can show you're committed with a book or a podcast or a video series, you're putting out videos or content constantly. It's almost like you're that favorite store on the corner of the road. You're just there every time and you're not going anywhere. Exactly. I want to throw another person out there for you. Uh, Patrick, but David. Love him. Love the dude. Absolutely love Patrick, but David. Okay, so I watched some of his stuff. I was watching some of his stuff earlier with the Grand Cardone because he – That was a great one, interview, right? Which one? Because he did two of them, I think. Three of them yeah, maybe. They, they did one I think where Grant interviewed him and then they did one where uh, Pat interviewed Grant. Yeah, I watched the one from 2015 because okay. that was that was Patrick Bed David interviewing Grant. Okay. But I saw something pop up on Facebook from one of my clients. It's always a call. She was at an event, I think. It might have been an actual event where Patrick Pet David was interviewing Kobe Bryant. Yeah. My friend is actually uh, – my friend Ron Wilson is actually there right now. Okay. That so that's live then. Yep. Okay. Yep. Then that one. So I saw that. I'm like, man, Patrick, I haven't seen some of his stuff recently. Let me watch a video. And so while I was just typing away, I was listening to his, his video. And uh, I love – I like his stuff. So he, everybody kind of knows he's, Pat, he's PHP. Insurance, financial services, just like Ed Milet. It's a little bit smaller of a company, but uh, it's, a, it's a growing in the company. He, he, he did do really well with it. He has a certain niche of entrepreneurs. I like his content. I love value valuetainment. I like his message. He says very similar things when it comes to us against Gary Vee, by the way. He said the exact same thing. Because uh, someone was saying something about Gary Vee told him. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Gary Vee did not grow from zero to three million. His dad did. So get that straight first. Just facts. Like, uh, <laughs> yes. <you know. laughs> that's just, 
No, not to take anything away from anyone, because like I said, I am a fan, but let's just be honest about what transpired. 100%. That's all I want. You know, just be true about it. Yeah, of course. And Patrick, you could hear his stories of working at the gym. You could hear about him driving around in a beat up car, getting in the financial world, seeing the under, or seeing and understanding residual income. It's a multi-level marketing company. It's a, it's a network marketing company. He does awesome with it. He helps entrepreneurs get out of poverty, like his message, like his stuff. I'm I'm a big fan of Value Entertainment and nice. they do. I love their uh, mafia. His they're, they're, they have mafia interviews. That's been his thing lately. Oh, I don't know if you've seen any of that content. Yeah, it's great. They're a little longer, but they're so worth it. If you ever have some time. Don't watch a movie on Netflix. Go watch one of his mafia interviews. <laughs> yeah, I've seen a couple. I haven't seen many, but I've seen a couple of them. These guys are telling Pat stuff that you're like, wait, why did they just tell him? <laughs> hold on. Yeah, how are you allowed to say that? Right. Like, hold on, dude. Are you about to get killed when this is aired? Like, what? Oh, uh, yeah, I did see that. Oh, I did see the one where he was an older guy. I think he yeah. was like, he was saying some crazy stories. I forget. It's been about. There's some weird stories on there, dude. There's like one guy was just like straight up. Yeah, I know where uh, Jimmy Hoffa is buried. <laughs> no one else does. Like, and then it's like he's actually in someone's basement. <laughs> <laughs> just wild. Like, what? Yeah, that's fantastic stuff. But I. If you watch how he, you've seen his channel grow, like it's yeah. he's interviewing Vanilla Ice in real time, like within two years, he just exploded. I think it's a phenomenal. He's got to be very careful. If you're familiar with the financial world, he's not allowed to really talk about his company too much because it's insurance and financial services. Yes, he figured he out a way. License revoked if he says yes. Too much. Yeah, that's why he got really smart. Now he just talks to like known names to talk about leadership management um, success or stardom or vanilla ice i watched that's a great interview he has with him so check that one out but yeah, yeah check that one out i haven't seen that one hmm. yeah, yeah. yeah I, I regularly watch uh, some patrick Britt david it's good stuff but so, okay so i want to throw a couple of questions out here just just general entrepreneurship questions but there are things that I think you can relate to truly. Um, you have a joy about entrepreneurship that sometimes I think we don't always see because, you know, entrepreneurship's hard. It's a wild ride, right? Oh yeah. But you're, you're having fun with it. And I, that's one thing that I absolutely admire about you, dude. Thank you. With the videos, is that what you're referring to? Just, all of it, like from your, all of your content, I can see that you're enjoying this process. You're enjoying the grind. Oh man, it's it it has become really fun the past two two years. I'd say two and a half years. And um, what I found out was, you know, and I think I told you this before. It, if you're not having fun, your team's not having fun. And if you're not having fun, people are going to pick up on it. And guess what? Yeah, you might have a business and a service and all that. It could help them. But nobody's really going to want to buy it or look at it if the people who create it, offer it, sell it, are not enjoying themselves also. And so that's why I'm a big believer in if you are different or if you're passionate or if you're so in love with what you do, 
make sure people know about it because other people are going to be afraid to, to, to cross the boundaries and, and do wild videos and show personality. And that's going to highlight maybe your personality way above others. And so people are going to take notice of that. Oh, this guy's crazy. Or this woman's nuts. Or to, but guess what? Once they see that, they're going to be like, whoa, I wish I could do something like that. And then what happens is your team gets excited for ideas. And then the people who work with you say, whoa, I want to do something different. My book, I want it to be different. You know who's different? Go talk to this guy. Look at his videos. He's the craziest marketing you'll see. You know, he's adding sex appeal to books. Who does that? Go watch this stuff. So I think if you are having fun and you show it to other people, that's part of branding. You got to enjoy it. I know there are people out there who always are trying to talk about stress and grinding and all that. If I was to give my money to someone, I don't want to be given to someone who's stressed out or grinding. I wanted to give it to someone, do you love what you do and are you good at it? And are you going to love it so much that even whenever shit hits the fan, are you going to take care of it? Because you love it. You're not going to give up. That's why I would give my money to. So you see that whether it's in real estate, and I always bring up these two industries because that's most of our clients, real estate network marketers, and people who start their own businesses and create their own brands, these people either at one time loved it. And after if you're if they're in business for three, four, five, six years or longer, and they're still doing it and they love it, guess what? I can almost guarantee you they're very successful at it. It's just a funny trait that people would neglect that that if you're if, if you're not smiling, doing things wild and, and showing that you're still a kid inside, then uh, then you're gonna get overlooked. So make sure that you highlight that. Definitely. My next question is, in this era of like, I guess, even the post-Me Too era or even the Me Too era, how do you maintain such great working relationships with women? Oh, man. That, good, great question, dude. I got that, especially three years ago, people were coming down hard on our business. Got lost a lot of attention. And... uh Basically, what, to answer that question, that's a really great question. I would have to say that – Hello? Hello, Mike? Hey, this is Mike Fallett from Dreamstarters Publishing. We created the number one book creation service for entrepreneurs. And in this podcast, you're going to hear – about my story and how I help people write their books and keep chasing that hero of theirs. So I hope you like it. You could follow me at the Dream Starter on Instagram and reach out to me anytime. I hope you like it because this one is going to be fun. Trap Life Tribe, Trap Stars. My apologies for leaving you on that explosive cliffhanger with Mike Fallett. But good news, Mike is back with us for part two this Wednesday. So you don't want to miss out for more phenomenal content from our classic discussion. Another classic episode of the Trap Life podcast. Thanks again for Mike and the Dream Starters Publishing.